Welcome to Lab I-68 Podcast. This podcast is for women of faith who want to get their restless behinds out of the pews and into the battlefield for the kingdom of God. We are here to equip and encourage you to put your faith into action in every area of your life and to claim the name of Kingdom Builder. My name is Leah, and I am joining you in the messy middle of a surrendered faith. guys, welcome to launch week for Lab I-68. This has been so rewarding and I'm so grateful for everybody tuning into the show. We're praying that these episodes will be challenging, encouraging, and that they will first and foremost move you into action. I want you to stay tuned until the end of the episode for our first week of Lab I-68 challenges that you can participate in on social media. These challenges are designed to help you take the episode and actually put it into practice. I'm so excited to see how you guys are going to actually participate in them. My guest today lives in Jerusalem, Israel, with her husband, where they both serve with an international nonprofit. And having lived in Jerusalem for nearly four years, she has a pretty unique perspective on Sabbath. Sabbath has been one of the most precious gifts in my walk with the Lord. And honestly, I want everyone to join in on this very, very life-giving practice. So in this episode, we chat about cultivating a beautiful Sabbath practice, giving you really practical tips and ideas to really make the most of your Sabbath experience. Becca has a unique take on Sabbath because of her life in Israel, where the city honestly basically shuts down every Saturday for the Jewish people who live there. So we chat about Sabbath, but we also chat about her passion for women walking through relationships that could lead to marriage. And how do you prepare for that next big step? So today we welcome my new friend, Becca Traharn to the show. Hi, Becca. Thank you so much for being on Lab I-68 podcast. I am so honored that you're here and very excited about what we're going to be talking about today in terms of Sabbath, but then also preparation for marriage. And I'm really excited for what your perspective is going to bring to all this. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Leah. It's it's really great to be here. I'm also have been really looking forward to this and to our conversations. Oh, awesome. Okay, so I want you to introduce where you are. We are going to get a little bit of background noise, um, but there's a reason for that. I want you to tell us what does your life look like right now? Where are you recording from and what are some of your roles in your life? I am recording from downtown Jerusalem in Israel. So my husband and I live here in Jerusalem. We have a little apartment in the center of town. So the ambulances, the outdoor noise, sorry about that. Oh, it's all good. (laughs) Just our normal life background noise. But yeah, we're here serving with a ministry in Israel. And my role there is executive administrative assistant, international events coordinator, and website administrator. So I wear a lot of hats, a lot of different things going on in my day-to-day life. And my husband is also with that organization. That's awesome. Okay, so we kind of talked a little bit before we started recording, but I'd love for you to tell us how you got to Jerusalem because you were obviously not originally from there. So can you give us a little bit of that background story? Yeah, absolutely. So I am originally from Michigan in the U.S. I grew up moving around a lot, but feeling called to overseas ministry. But I managed to graduate college with never having left the U.S. 
and my aunt and uncle, who also volunteer here in Israel with us, invited me to come on a tour and to spend some extra time with them here in Israel afterwards. And so I came right out of college. I was on tour for like three days and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm in love with this place. I never want to leave. Yeah. But am I just overwhelmed because I've always want to go overseas and I'm finally overseas? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was a process with the Lord on the trip. And then obviously coming back to the States and figuring out what next. Is this really you or am I just caught up in the emotion of it? Yeah. And the Lord very quickly confirmed, no, Becca, like I want you there. This is a place I'm going to plant you for a season. So I went back a year after my first trip, committed to a one-year discipleship program and served for a year doing that. Again, felt called to stay longer. So far every year, I just keep feeling called to stay longer and met my husband here. We felt like the Lord wanted us to continue ministering here in Israel. And so here I am four years later, wow. uh, still living here after that first move. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. wow. That's incredible. I was telling you before, I was always really afraid of being called overseas um, to do ministry. <laughs> so I just have so much respect for what you guys do. That's just absolutely amazing. So I want to go a little bit into what it was like meeting your husband and just your love story. How did you guys meet? Yeah, sure. So we met through the, the ministry we're with. He came to volunteer and just kind of got to know each other through that. Mm -hmm. The discipleship program that I had been on the first year I was here, he came on during my second year. And that year I was helping to do some of the ministry for the girls on the program and was just really involved. So I would, you know, have lots of time with him and with the rest of the team and things just really through our mutual love of Israel and um, ministry and worship, mm -hmm. just really developed a deep friendship over the, about the first six or seven months of him being here. Mm -hmm. And we both realized we liked each other, but we weren't quite sure. And so we spent three months praying about whether the Lord was blessing us to enter a relationship with one another, knowing that if we did, it would be with the intent of marriage. Neither of us were messing around. We were like, if we're going to do this, we really want to feel like even before we start the relationship that it could lead to that yeah. um, with some seriousness. After three months, didn't even take three months, but we were committed to that time frame. Um, we, we felt very confident that the Lord was blessing us to enter a relationship. And so we started, you know, going on dates and spending more intentional time together. Mm -hmm. And it was pretty quick within about two months of us dating. We both were like, okay, let's start talking about marriage. We're in love. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> I feel like the Lord's blessing us. And so we were long distance for about six months. And during that time, he bought an engagement ring for me, which I didn't know about. He's actually Welsh. So he's from the country of Wales in the UK. So all kinds of fun cultural differences yeah. in how they just do dating and wedding rings and all of those things from my mindset. And then we were doing all of this in the land of Israel, which is a whole nother situation in the Middle East. So very interesting mix with our love story, but there was nothing that really majorly affected yeah. anything, but just yeah. things that one side of the family or the other would be like, what? 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and be a little confused about. So I think the only other thing is just even still every once in a while, he'll use a British English word. And I'm just like, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what you're yeah. asking me right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, a fun intercultural marriage for sure. But I think we both feel like living overseas kind of levels the playing field on that. So we've also been really thankful for that in a lot of ways too. Mm -hmm. So by the time we went back to the U.S. together to meet my family in November, so about six months into the relationship, we asked for my parents' blessing. About a week after we got back to Israel, he proposed in December, just a year and one month after we started dating, we got married. And that was almost a year ago now. So um, it feels like a whirlwind sometimes, but it was just such a blessing to walk through it with the Lord. Just a real delight. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. So I know that you, we had talked about um, that you have a real heart for people that are preparing for marriage. Mm -hmm. And so what would you like to share with us then about what your experience has been like you know, as you prepared for marriage and you had mentioned that some of it was very long distance. So maybe that's a little bit unique on your end, but yeah, what was your experience like? And then what do you wish that maybe you would have known about preparing for marriage that you would want to maybe pass on to somebody else? Yeah, I think, you know, my heart for those that are preparing for marriage or even those that are just single and, or maybe dating, like not necessarily in a serious, we're about to get engaged or we are engaged relationship really comes one, because I just walked through it myself. It's very recent stage of life, but also because having lived here, having gone through a multicultural relationship myself and having a lot of friends that are walking through similar things, but with two different cultures than ours. What I've learned is that while every love story is very different, there are things that help us that translate no matter what your situation is. So I think that was really, has really been my heart is just being able to see that thread of the things that like have helped every single couple, no matter what story and path the Lord had them on. Yes, you're unique, but here's some foundational tools for walking through this relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, in terms of what I, I wish I could have known, you know, when preparing for marriage, I think the first thing that came to mind is. I wish I would have implemented things before we were married, just in my personal life that we were talking about doing once we were married. Mm. So for instance, you've mentioned we're going to talk about Sabbath and keeping that um, and what that looks like. You know, if that's something you want to do when you get married, but you're not doing now as a single person, it's going to be that much harder when you're transitioning into married life to just make that a priority. Um, If you want to prioritize it in your marriage, make it a priority now. So I think one of the things I wish that I would have thought more about is, you know, I had all these big dreams and grand ideas of we're going to wake up every morning and we're going to do Bible study together for three hours and then have a time of prayer. But I like couldn't even do an hour on my own right before we got married. So how's this going to work? So I think really recognizing while it's good to have goals and expectations and to like think about what do we want our marriage to look like? What are we going to develop and invest our time in? How can you start now (laughs) 
at making sure those things will naturally flow in the marriage. Awesome. I really love what you were saying about, you know, no matter the love story that you have, there's going to be some things that are going to be consistent throughout every Mm -hmm. story or that that should be consistent, especially when we're having a biblical worldview. Could you share some of those things you believe that no matter the love story, this has to be foundational? I think the biggest one, and I think like when I'm talking to girlfriends that are in these stages of life and, you know, processing with them, I always go back to learn how to communicate with each other. If you can figure out how to talk to one another now, it's going to be so much easier when you're married and when you're living in the same house together. So I think, you know, all the layers that come with learning how to communicate is one of the the big things. But I think in terms of just day-to-day walking out your relationship, what does that look like? I think a key factor is define who you are letting speak into your relationship Mm. and agree on it together. Obviously, you're seeking the Lord every step of the way about where he's leading and guiding you. But then identify a few key people, be very selective, and don't just talk about your relationship with everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, But also know who you can be open with about it. And I think the earlier you can start that in a healthy way within your relationship, the easier it is going to be to continue to have that kind of accountability and those people that can, can see into what's going on, what do you need to process individually, and how can we maybe help the two of you together? Mm-hmm. So really identifying that key small group of people that you're going to talk to about your relationship and what's going on so that it doesn't become a cacophony of voices and opinions in your head. Yeah. And you can no longer hear what you feel, let alone think. And you certainly at that point aren't hearing God's voice come through it, no matter how godly the 30 voices are. Yes. Um, and that was something I really struggled with being like, oh, but I'm seeking, you know, godly women and they've been married for so many years. Why shouldn't I hear their opinion? Yeah. And yet I didn't need all of their voices. I needed a few people that were invested in me and my relationship and God <laughs> and not yeah. so many other people. That's brilliant. I, I absolutely love that. Cause I think kind of what you were saying too, is that when you start to share with more and more people, it becomes more emotional. And so then we're not really thinking clearly about, like you said, hearing God's voice or, you know, what's best for your husband and yourself. And, and sometimes too, when you're speaking to all those people, they might not know you and your husband. They might only know you. And instead of it being, right. you know, for your relationship, they want to be for you. We want people to be speaking into our lives that are about our relationship and pointing us to Jesus constantly. So I love that you said that. We're going to shift over to Sabbath. And I just think that you're going to have such an interesting perspective on this because of where you are in Israel. And Sabbath is something I've been practicing for, I think, about two years now. And it's been so life-changing for me. And so I just want more and more people to experience it. I'm I'm maybe a little bit of a Sabbath pusher. Maybe I shouldn't do that, but I'm just... (laughs) I'm wondering what your experience of Sabbath was before you were in Israel. Did you practice it with your family um, or what were your perceptions of it? And now that you're there, how have things shifted for you? Yeah. Well, first, I would love to know how do you keep Sabbath? What does that look like for, for you over the last two years? Totally. So we have decided that our Sabbath, and we've tried not to be too legalistic about it, 
but we have decided that our Sabbath is going to be a day where we rest and worship. We really try to really take out anything that's going to feel like work. So for me, something as simple as like deciding what to make for dinner, Becca, is one of the hardest things for me. It's so stressful for me. I totally get it. So we know that every Sunday night, we are going to have a pancake meal. That's just that I don't have to think about it. I know exactly what's going to happen. It's easy. (laughs) I can make it with my son. It's like just, it's perfect. So we've just tried to implement some things like that. And then also honoring a six day work week. We try not to buy anything on Sundays as well. So Mm -hmm. just, just some things like that, really setting it aside for things that are really life-giving. Yeah, it's good to hear. I always love hearing how different people, especially within Christian communities, celebrate it. How do they honor it? What does that look like for them? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Because really, while scripture is very clear, it's also leaves a lot up to interpretation about what does it mean not to work (laughs) on the Sabbath, right? Because like you said, choosing what to make for dinner, that was just one thing that you knew this feels like work. I need to not have to worry about that all day when I'm trying to just rest. Mm -hmm. So I love that. For me, before I moved to Israel, it was not even on my radar. I'm a pastor's kid. And so Sunday was always, you know, a set apart day, whether he was preaching or um, whatever during the course of his ministry time. But it was always a day we didn't go shopping. We didn't go out for dinner after church. It was always pretty standard meals. Like if there were a couple different ones mom always made, we just tried not to do any of the household chores. If my brother was in sports, he couldn't be in leagues that had activities on Sundays. You know, there was a a Sabbath rest for my family growing up, but we didn't call it that. It was just like, this is how we're doing it. So I didn't actually even realize and put these things together until I'd been living in Israel probably for a couple of years. Now that I live here, it's different throughout the country, but Israel is a Jewish national state, the only one in the world. And so as a country, there's a respect for Sabbath. And so in Jerusalem specifically, it's the holiest city in the country, it's the capital of the country, and the most religious city in a lot of ways. So everything shuts down. For them, it starts Friday night at sundown and runs through Saturday night at sundown. Mm -hmm. So Friday, once the sun sets, and a few hours before the sun sets, the public transportation stops running, all of the shops close, and the city just shuts down for a whole day, you know, for a 24-hour period. So even just by living in the city, you have to rest on that day. Right. Like to a certain extent, there's only so much you can do. There are a few Arab shops or different things that stay open, but you just can't get places, you know. And so there's this quietness that settles over the city because public transit isn't running and not many people are driving. So there's this beautiful natural ability in this town to just enter into it because everybody else is. Now, for me personally, it was pretty quick after moving here that I really realized not only am I going to just do this because I can't get anywhere (laughs) today, there's a real beauty in Sabbath and in taking that rest. And for the Jewish people, and honestly, for a lot of Christians in Israel and around the world, it's a really special time to enter into There is a beautiful dinner every Friday night. It's Mm. considered um, the most important feast or holiday of the year. And it happens every week. 
Wow. And so every week, you know, Friday, you're, you're off work and you're crazy cleaning and you're cooking and you're preparing the house because that night it's a holiday. And obviously, you know, it's celebrated to various extents, but everybody pretty much slows down and has at least a meal with their family Friday night. Um, so it's not even just this like, Hey, now today's the day there's this entering into of it through a special meal and blessing throughout the meal. I find it so helpful to just enter into that and to have that time to just like the house is now clean. The food's on the table. It's Shabbat. We can just rest now. Could you define Shabbat? I feel like I don't know if everybody's going to know what that means. Shabbat is basically just another word for Sabbath. So Shabbat is typically Saturday specific and it's the Hebrew word for Sabbath. So we translate it Sabbath in English, but Shabbat is the Hebrew word for Sabbath. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for my husband and I, it typically looks like we're at family or friends' houses for dinner. It's a very communal time. People invite other people over to Shabbat dinner, the Sabbath dinner to start that time. We also love to host. So sometimes we have the people in our home and it's a really special time entering in. Then you wake up the next day and you have a full day to rest and relax. Uh, Really a lot like you were saying to have extra time for Bible study, for Mm -hmm. worship, and to just not have to do anything that's work. Um, I don't have to do the dishes. For us, that's the big thing. And I'm like, I can't do dishes and I can't do laundry. Yeah. One of the cool things with that and is an important thing when you're thinking about keeping a Sabbath, what does this look like for my life? You know, for you, you knew it meant not choosing the meal for dinner. And so you said it, you prepared to make it a Sabbath and Mm -hmm. to make it a rest. For my husband, it drives him nuts if there's just dirty dishes sitting there all day on the Sabbath. He can't rest because it's just in the back of his mind. Like I need to do those dishes. Right, right. So we have to work hard Friday to make sure as many dishes are done and put away in advance and preparation. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really special thing with it too, is, is just that preparation of going into your rest, making that choice and decision to prepare for it because it doesn't just happen in our busy lives, right? Absolutely. Like we know that or everyone would be doing it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's I, much easier to fill that space and time. Absolutely. I love that you said that because I really feel like people, when they think of Sabbath, they don't realize that the whole purpose is that you are resting all of yourself, right? So it, including your mind, right? And so mm-hmm. you do have to prepare for it, right? Whatever is going to, like you said, going to drive you crazy that whole day. Right. We want to make sure that that's being taken care of so that it's not on our mind or on our heart or, or whatever. It's a, for us, it's been a really restorative day. So that has been important to us that we, yeah, we do prepare for the day so that it can actually restore us. That's the whole point. So I'm really glad that you mentioned that. Yeah. How else do you prepare for Sabbath or for your Shabbat? What does that, what does that look yeah. like for you guys? Thankfully, we actually, we work a half day on Fridays. So mm-hmm. we're from nine to one. Because buses shut down early, so we need to make sure everybody can get home early. So we arrive home ahead of five (laughs) o'clock, which we'd be like running around frantically with 30 minutes to get things prepared. Mm -hmm. Um, So preparing looks, it's just cleaning the house. It's getting the food prepared for that dinner. And I think another way 
that we prepare for the Sabbath for our Shabbat is I'm a planner by nature and also by profession. So I like constantly have lists going in my head and there's always something that my husband and I need to discuss and figure out for the next week for meal prep through the next week or for a trip we're taking or finances. Mm-hmm. And we always try to have quality time on Friday afternoon before going into Sabbath mm. so that we can process those things because then my brain can shut off and not work the next day because that feels like work. We actually just talked about last week. It was like the afternoon. It was coming to the end of, of Shabbat, of our Sabbath. And suddenly we were like talking about finances. And we were like, wait, we're not spending money, but we're discussing how we're going to spend money. <laughs> like maybe yeah. that, this isn't the time for that. Let's wait until tomorrow morning and we can discuss this. Yeah. And so, you know, sometimes it's just those mental checks, but also recognizing because I'm a planner, I need that time to just decompress, process what we have had going on all week mm-hmm. so that I can not have to deal with that tomorrow and feel like it was at least dealt with to some extent on Friday in preparation. So another unique way for us that we we prepare for it. Mm-hmm. 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 Oh, that's so smart. I love that. So what would you say to somebody who is really on the fence about starting a Sabbath practice? Because I think a lot of people out there are like, well, I don't have time. I don't know where I'm going to fit that in. Especially, I don't know, if it's the same over there, but here it, we're just constantly on the go. We've kind of been shut down now with COVID, but yeah, we're, <laughs> we're just we're just like in constant motion, and we have a really hard time putting pause on our lives so that we can be restored, yeah. so we can have that Sabbath practice. So, what would you say to somebody as an encouragement? Be a little bit on the fence between beginning one and not. Yeah, I think when you're on that fence and you can't quite decide, or you're conflicted because it seems like such a big commitment to try and do this and figure out how to work it into your busy life. I would really just encourage people to look to scripture, like look up Sabbath and rest in God's word. And what does it say? It says, do it. And it says, do it with abundance. It also says that Sabbath was created for man, not man for the Sabbath. So of course, it's not easy. Of course, you know, our busyness gets in the way, but Sabbath is this beautiful gift that we get to take hold of. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's like so many things in our Christian life that we have to choose to take the gift off the shelf and to invest in it. And it's a gift. It's for us, but Mm -hmm. we have to figure out how do we do this? And so, yeah, I would just really encourage, I think anybody that's thinking about it, but isn't really sure they're ready to make that commitment, see what God says about Sabbath. Because that's the only person that should be speaking into it. It shouldn't be your schedule. It shouldn't be your friends that are like, what do you mean you're going to not come out with us on this day to do da 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 Because most of us probably don't have a full community around us going, yeah, let's have Sabbath. Yes, absolutely. Not the culture in most places around the world, especially in the church. And so you've got to make sure if you're going to make that decision to get off the fence, and to say, I am doing this with my family, I am doing this on my own, mm-hmm. that you understand why you're doing it because of what God said in, in his word about it. Yeah. Um, otherwise, all of those other things are still going to be there. Like those things aren't going away as reasons and excuses. Yeah, um, You've got to 
understand what your foundational basis is for honoring a Sabbath rest. Yes. Because without that, all those other reasons are still very valid and very much there and they don't stop. I'm here four years later to tell you, like it would still be really great if I had extra time to do all these things sometimes, but I also don't know what I would do without my rest and without that Sabbath. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. It it is a gift, you know, and he says that it's for our good and it's also for his glory. Like if we really want our lives to keep pointing to Jesus, we need to be able to be restored in order to do that. And so mm-hmm. it's really comes full circle. So that's I love absolutely love that. All right. So we've talked about Sabbath and just that you have such a different experience than what a lot of other people have here. But I mean, something that could unify us is kind of that practical aspect of it. How are we actually spending our Sabbath day? And so can you give us some ideas of what would a life-giving Sabbath practice actually look like for all of us? And without it being really legalistic, we don't want to be bound by the rules of it so that it doesn't actually, it isn't actually life-giving. So what would that Sabbath practice look like practically without sticking to a bunch of little rules? Yeah, absolutely. I mentioned earlier how key it is to understand the foundation of your decision to keep Sabbath. Where is that coming from? And that's going to lead you into how to practically walk it out. So if for you, work is the household chores, and it means not doing those, that's great. If work for you is that you're an artist, and that's what you do it all week is like create art, and you need a day where you just don't have to create anything, mm-hmm. that's awesome. But somebody else might find art as a really expressive, creative outflow of their worship and their time with the Lord. Yeah. Um, so I think you have to know yourself and what that that work looks like for you practically and how you read and interpreted the scriptures that the Lord's given us about how to honor Sabbath. I think, again, you know, making sure that you don't just dive in overboard. Like don't yeah. drown yourself in the in a to-do list of legalistic things or in setting the bar so high that you're never going to feel like you've reached it because you shouldn't feel like you're trying to reach some holy place or some exalted experience on Sabbath. It's just an extended set apart time with the Lord. Have grace on yourself. It's mm-hmm. it's hard, you know. Most people struggle to have a devotional time with God every morning for a prolonged period of time. And suddenly you're giving yourself like 24 hours to do that. Have grace with yourself on the fact that you get distracted and you're not super thrilled to just read your Bible for 12 hours. If that's okay. Mm-hmm. But I think the thing that's been really helpful for me and my husband is having something specific that we're going to study in scripture that day. Um, So for us, the Jewish community around the world has what's called the Torah portion, Torah being the either the five books of Moses or the entirety of what we would call the Old Testament. Right. And but the Torah portion is they every week, there's a chunk of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy that they read through and they read through it in a, a yearly cycle. It, for us living here and for any of you out there that have Jewish people in your life, it's a great way to connect with them because no matter where they're at in the world, they're reading the same portion every week and studying mm-hmm. it. And they've been doing this for like hundreds, if not a couple thousand years. 
Wow. And so there's tons of resources and commentaries and studies on each portion. So for us, we read through that every Saturday and we talk through it and we, you know, wrestle with it. We maybe read a commentary about it and it gives us something to talk to our Jewish friends about, to relate to with even our other Christian friends. A lot of them are reading through it every day here in the land. And so it gives us something to focus on. Like we know this is what we're going to dive into. So it's not just, you're not just sitting there with your Bible going, okay, where do I go today? Yeah. Or, you know, if I'm doing a certain study throughout the week, do I suddenly on my Sabbath just quadruple the amount of time I spend on that study? So for us, it's been really good, at least for me, to have something specific that I know we're going to study in the scriptures and spend time on that day. And it is a way that you can prepare for the day by either gathering other content for us to be able to read and and look into, but reading the Torah portion or having some sort of set apart reading, or if one of you is musical and you know you're going to worship for an hour with the guitar, that also helps for you to look at the day and say, okay, here's certain things we are going to spend our time on and focus rather on how am I going to invest this time with the Lord? What does that investment look like with him in that communal time, as opposed to just it being like, what am I not going to do? Like, think about what I am going to do, because we all know if you're in a good worship set and you're like really just engaging with the Lord through music, you're not worried about what's for dinner or the dishes or those other things. And so I would really encourage people to focus on what are you going to invest in and actually do on on your Sabbath as opposed to what am I going to not do? Don't just fill it up and and make it another busy day of things to check off that you're doing. But it also takes away that, oh my gosh, I don't have anything on the schedule for today. Mm -hmm. That's so wise. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. We're going to be wrapping up here, Becca, and I want to conclude with a few questions that we're going to be asking all of our guests one of them being, what is one resource that has really inspired you in your work? And it could be around Sabbath, but it also could be the work that you're doing in Israel. One resource. Um, I think really one of the resources that has been such a blessing to me is pretty much anything that Annie F. Downs puts out. She's a Christian author and speaker. She's got a podcast, written numerous books. She's hilarious. And she's full of truth. She Mm -hmm. loves Sabbath. And she lives an intense, crazy, busy speaker, author life, yet is intentional about keeping that. And I think that is always so encouraging for me because I know I'm living the good life over here in Jerusalem where like the city shuts down for me. Right, right. So I still have to choose not to do the dishes and to focus my mind on scripture. But it's a lot easier than if I had speaking engagements every week and like the whole world still operated seven days a week. My world doesn't. So I think it's really inspiring for me to see others in the Christian community that are keeping a Sabbath and doing it amidst the craziness of life and being open about it, even though that's maybe not the focus of her platform and everything she's doing. It's something that she's found to be important and um, blesses others with. So that's always a resource that I love. And her books and the podcasts are great. So mm-hmm. Okay. I have to agree all with around. all of the, what you just said, because I also love Annie. <laughs> and actually, yeah. 
part of the reason that my husband and I started doing Sabbath is because of an interview she had on her podcast with John Mark Comer from Bridgetown Church mm-hmm. in Portland. And he's huge into Sabbath. And I was so encouraged by what he had to say about it and the way that they talked about it as being so life-giving. I was like, we should really give this a shot. We should try this. I didn't grow up in a home that did Sabbath necessarily. And even though we did have rest days, but there was no technical Sabbath. My husband didn't either. And so to be able to hear their perspective on it. And for myself, I am a really busy, I am always on the go kind of person. And so it did have to be an intentional choice. And so I just love that you said that because Annie's conversations (laughs) around it have also been super encouraging to me. So that is so, so awesome. Absolutely. I'd also like to just mention quickly too, for people that are on the fence or are like, how do I even start? Just start small, you know, whether it's one night a week that you just set aside time that I'm just, I'm not doing the housework tonight on this night a week, but like starting to just implement those rest aspects, one thing at a time is really huge. You don't have to like all of a sudden stop everything on a whole 24 hour period of your life. Um, Start studying scripture about it and just see how the Lord leads you in those small things to take that step back and to rest because it is, it's also a very personal thing and understanding, you know, not to make it legalistic and make it life-giving for you. Totally. I love that. And I think that sometimes when people think of Sabbath too, they think, okay, I need to just, you know, veg out and it's just a day to just kind of lie around and whatever, but it's not necessarily like that, right? It is actually engaging with God. It's, it's rest and worship. So mm-hmm. it's a receiving of him. It doesn't necessarily mean that we just coast through the whole day and just do nothing. There is actually something really beautiful about taking that intentional time to engage with God, to learn about Him, to be invested in our in Scripture, to be praying, to be creating. I know that's something that we've started to want to do a little bit more on Sabbath is creating and doing art and stuff like that, because all of those are forms of worship too. So there's no one right. right way to do it, but the most important thing being spending time with the Lord and to really be able sure. to be restored. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so we've talked about Sabbath and it is definitely a huge spiritual rhythm and discipline. Is there another one in your life that you love to practice? I am a huge journaler and specifically journaling my prayers. So not even just prayer requests like bullet notes. You know, you keep a prayer journal and you have bullets of what you're praying into so you can kind of keep track and look back. But I like to just handwrite my prayers to the Lord. And part of that is because I'm a writer and I'm a creative. So I I like that process. But I also find because I am an extrovert and I use a lot of words, that it helps me really focus and be intentional about what word am I praying? Like, what am I really asking for? What am I really thanking him for? So that's a practice that I have really loved whether it's during a set aside prayer time or just at the end of like a Bible study, that's one thing that I really, really enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. I love that. All right. So if we want to stay in touch with the work that you're doing over there or any of the projects that you're working on or any of that writing or anything, where can we follow along with you? Are you on social or what websites do you have? All that good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So I am mainly on Instagram. I am r.l.traharn, which is T-R-E-H-A-R-N-E. 
that's where I post about life in Israel. It's where I post just things that the Lord has on my heart. You'll also find on my Instagram page a link to my blog, which I don't really keep up with anymore, but it was my way of processing my journey of coming to Israel. So from my first trip through coming and just all the ups and downs that the Lord taught me and took me on throughout really the first three years of living here. So those are the two ways to connect. Awesome. Okay, Becca, thank you so much for being on here and sharing your experience. And I mean, you have just such a different perspective than we do here, especially about Sabbath. And it's just so encouraging. And so I I really am praying that there's going to be somebody who's going to make the decision to start Sabbath after listening to this conversation. But yeah, thank you so much for being on here. Really appreciate your time. Thanks. It's been such a a delight and I've been looking forward to it. So it's been incredible to do this evening and to have this conversation about really important things. So it's great. I love what you're doing with the podcast. And that's something I'm really passionate about too, is just those practical, like, how do we live out this faith? What does that really, really look like for kingdom life? So I love that. Totally. Oh, that's so awesome. Thank you, Becca. Yeah. Thanks, Leah. You guys, I love Sabbath. And I love how intentional Becca and her husband are in making it a way to connect with her Jewish friends. That is just so cool. While many of us may not live in Israel, I think we can all consider its importance and how it can really enrich our spiritual lives. So like I said, at the end of each episode, we're going to extend a challenge to you for the week because we are all about putting our faith into action around here. So this week's Lab I 68 challenge is to try having just one Sabbath day or even an hour of spending time with the Lord in rest and worship, being very intentional. Decide what would make the perfect Sabbath for you, and then just give a few ideas a try. And you can share all about your experience on social media using the hashtag, hashtag LabI68Challenge or hashtag LabI68 for any of the reflections that you might have had on the episode. We would honestly love to engage you on there and to continue our conversations and to be able to encourage you to keep taking those really faithful steps. If you have a moment, please subscribe, leave a review and rate the show. And hopefully with those five stars, this will really help the growth of the show, getting more and more people to listen. And more importantly, we would love if you would share this episode with a girlfriend. Thank you for listening to our launch week episodes, you guys. If you haven't caught our other conversations with Rosie McKinney about pornography in the church or Lauren Alexander, where we talked about discipleship, I would just highly encourage you to do that as they're both really great episodes as well. Next week, we're welcome to the show, Nikki State, who will be chatting all things time management and planning that lead to a richer kingdom building lifestyle. It's a really great conversation. I hope that everybody has a great week and just remember that you are a kingdom builder. Your voice and your actions, they really matter. And in the words of the prophet Isaiah, we proclaim, here I am, Lord, send me. Have a great week, everybody. 